You're tuned in to Positively Terrible. I'm producer Dan, and each week my buddy Scott and I discuss surviving and thriving after trauma. It's a journey that started when Scott, his wife's fiance, and her boyfriend walked into a bar. This week's decent human being is Grayson. He's got a fucked up story about gender trauma. Settle in, my terrible listeners. Today's episode is going to be Positively Terrible. Hey, Grayson. Hey, Scott. Hello, producer Dan. Hey, Dan. How are you, Grayson? Good. Good. Glad to hear it. Thank you for joining us. No, wait. No. Stop. Not good. That's so (laughs) Midwest of us. (laughs) All right. Well, can you elaborate? Can you elaborate on that good or that not good? You know, so um, recently there is uh, a a woman who had uh, grown up in Poland and she was... uh, practitioner and she was describing to me the experience of coming to America and when people asked her how she was doing or how she asked the expectation was for her to say I'm doing well Uh to not actually answer honestly the Uh question and you know that was sort of a culture shock anyway (laughs) I I was like oh it's a very midwest thing but also maybe just an American thing sure um, uh, to do that. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard that a lot. That yeah. That's an American thing, and it's it's more of it means hi. <laughs> yeah. Right. No one really wants to hear how you're doing. But we do. That's why you're here. Mm. We want to hear everything. Um, yeah. But, let's get real Swedish about this one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I very very happy Wait, to have you here co- today, Wait, Grayson. I don't get that one. Oh, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> it's just non-American. I think you said the. Polish. Polish. Yeah. Oh, man. We're already. Fuck. This podcast is going to suck already. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> is this how you handle errors? Well, the, the exciting thing is that one day we're going to have one that doesn't suck, and that might be the last one we ever do. So let's keep <laughs> sucking because when you get to perfection, sometimes it's it's time to quit. But, Grayson, uh, glad to see you. This is the, my second time this week to see you uh, in person, and I think I've seen you about once in the last three years. So uh, I am extremely happy about that. Uh, yeah. It's That's not just my way of saying hi. Uh, I am happy about it. But, yeah, so welcome to the upgraded Terrible Studios. Dan, mm-hmm. I see, has done a lot of work since the last time I yeah. was here. That's right. We uh, we have air conditioning, we have lights, and we are not in a garage, so yeah. <laughs> all upgrades. Yeah, so if, if what keeps you coming back was the traffic in the garage or the weed whacker, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but that is most likely One a of them, thing I of the thought, past. Are they, are they recording near the airport? <laughs> in fact, we are. We are. Ah. We are. It, and it made me laugh because in the Bills episode, episode two, uh, within a two-minute span, I heard a train, I heard a car, and I heard an airplane. Well, I'm going to have to put all those back in post-production for this episode. <laughs> we don't want to lose the vibe of the show. But it was, I mean, it was just perfect. You heard the train horn blowing and all that, and I was like... Planes, trains, and automobiles. It's uh, but it's that's one of the charms True of living Chicago. in Chicago, yeah, right? Yeah, it's it's absolutely. something that's beautiful and actually something I appreciate it. I yeah, just you don't a- really notice it until it's on a podcast. Well, I, <laughs> I was just gonna say I appreciate it just a little bit less when it's interrupting our podcast, but yeah. that's okay. We've upgraded, and uh, we're here today. You're here today, and we're happy to have you. Yeah. 
So you're here today to talk about what, actually? I'm here to talk about um, maybe the trauma that we all experience uh, through our culture. Okay. So we can all identify with some sort of cultural norm that is thrust upon us. It doesn't feel mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. you know, and um, maybe want to uh, change a singular narrative you know, I feel like I, I met a lot of that early on in finding my identity. Okay. Um, here you go. Here's What do you do when you have a caregiver tell a story of your childhood? One that you did, you don't remember. Uh -huh. So it's like Anna, Illinois, um, we're in a Walmart, and a young child points at me, and I don't, I must have been under three, I think is what my mom was telling me. Okay. And he goes, look, Ma, a boy in a dress. Hmm. <laughs> Which I, it's right. just sort of hilarious because right. children are just so funny. You know, it's All just right. like I'm putting two and two together. <laughs> this human that is about my size, maybe a little younger, mm -hmm. has short hair, but is also wearing a dress. Mm -hmm. This is a boy in a dress, right. you know. And I don't know why my mom would tell that story. So my question for you guys is like, what was your experience of my very visible finding of an identity? Okay. I, you know, cause I think what talking about is like visibility is not always, um, a good thing. Sure. Uh, and, and Grayson, I and think I'm no longer visible. <laughs> Grayson, I, th I think we need to back up just a little bit to give uh, the, our terrible listeners a, a little more context here. So, yeah. So, okay. So, hi, I'm Grayson. <laughs> I am a I am a like a longtime Chicago person. I really love Chicago. <laughs> One of are. my you favorite are. things is when new people come to Chicago. Yeah, I love to embrace them. I'm always sad when they <laughs> leave. They, but majority don't. And mm -hmm. if they do, they come back and say, I don't know why I All left. Right. <laughs> because what exists here is, I think, a very unique, which is a community mm. that really can genuinely connect with one another. Sure. You know, like that that narrative of there's a certain age at which you cannot make new friends is yeah. just not true in Chicago, I think. Um, it's a hell of a city. And actually, now that I think about it, you know, I, I, I kind of wanted to talk about my father and my okay. experience of masculinity as a child. Without a doubt. And like, I think that this podcast could really benefit from a discussion about maleness. Yeah, for, for sure. What's in your brain? Empty. It's well, I was going to say, for, first of all, it's something that I think a lot of us... We don't have us, that kind of time. A lot of us <laughs> don't focus on quite enough. Uh, a lot of people live just yeah. if you're a man, you are just a man, and you don't think about what that means or how... Oh, yeah. So, so identity, yeah. can culture can hand you an identity that feels right, and then it can hand you an identity that creates a mm -hmm. lot of, like... I can't achieve at this. Sure. And I have a lot of shame because I don't like, here's one that I like to drop on some people who are early in their like, what is gender for me? Mm -hmm. uh, I say, you know, I always felt like a failed girl or woman. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you get this look at, they get this look in their eyes like, Oh, Oh, 
Like it wasn't me that wasn't achieving. I was trying the wrong thing. Right. You know, and I think I've done that with a lot of jobs. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Right. And I think we can all like, it's a universal experience. Yeah. I like the way you put that. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, a certain, certain privilege to not have Mm -hmm. to examine those things. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very rare for a woman to not have at some point examined their gender relationship Mm -hmm. because society is so narrow there. But like, also that's my experience. You all were socialized as male Mm -hmm. from a very young age. And, and like, I know you're, you're looking for language. So right now, and one that like, um, I identify with is AFAB, which assigns, uh, which uh, stands for assigned female at birth. Okay. And really, like to um, ground my understanding of gender in a biological way mm-hmm. and in a um, industrial complex sort of uh, uh, the medical industrial complex, right? Like doctors look at a physical attribute and determine an identity. Mm-hmm. And that's where the culture starts. Sure. And so can we address that? And and I'm going to jump in really quickly and and say a couple of things. And first, thank you for acknowledging that I was looking for words. And I I do feel... But that's me. So you always got to ask, how do you identify? Sure. And and I'm a little embarrassed that maybe I didn't do enough... uh, No, you're fine, Scott. We're we're friends, so you can make... Feel feel free to make mistakes, and and you give me the grace to do that, and yeah. that's something that is something that I feel very lucky to have in someone like you. Agree, uh, and by some you know a friend. Hey, I don't give it to everybody, so you know you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for putting up. Yeah, with so, hey, everyone's got to have boundaries. So, right? and, and, and you know we're here, we're here to learn. We're yeah. here to be better. And and one of the things that I I've told people in the past, like. When it comes to, and I've used this when it comes to like race and marginalized groups, and I've said, it's not on someone to educate me. I should be educating myself. And one of the reasons we're here for this podcast is to have people whose lived experiences we can learn from. So it's one of the reasons that we do this, and we're excited to have you and and all of our guests, really. And I've learned a little bit in every episode we've done. But I do want to back up and (laughs) say that you mentioned the story of when you were a child, um, the other child saying that that is a girl in a boy's, uh, a boy in a dress. Is that what the story was? Yeah. Cause you know, I also grew up in Southern Illinois. guys. <laughs> <laughs> now at that time at three years old, did, I don't did you remember feel it. like, a- I don't remember any of it. Okay. Like honestly, like, it, it, uh, so that's part of the, the ADHD, right? So uh-huh. sometimes, Someone with ADHD needs like anchor memories. So like if you are trying to pull out a memory from someone who has it, you might say, well, what did the cover of the book like? And I'm, I'm quoting a, po- a mm-hmm. podcast that I uh, listened to, which mm-hmm. uh, something shiny. You okay. should listen to it. It's really great. Is it so, about ADHD? It is. It's, nice. it's two practitioners who have ADHD and they talk nice. about 
like dynamics and stuff like that. That and sounds great. Yeah, there's, it's really great. There's a trio of ADHDers right in this room. So <laughs> yeah, I shared I, I it with a, a colleague of ours, and they were like, "Oh, it's eye-opening." Um, nice. I was okay. gonna say we've got like 90-minute episodes. Usually, I'm not sure we have a lot of listeners who are ADHD. <laughs> if they are, they're listening at 1.5 probably. <laughs> <laughs> I have found it actually enters my brain quickly if I listen to it. On a higher speed. Okay. Nice. Yeah. All right. So that's a good idea. Yeah, pro tip to all, all you terrible listeners that yeah, complain know, about our, the length. You're right. Our new tagline is better at one and a half speed. <laughs> <laughs> Get it over sooner. Okay. So at, at three years old, you don't remember this story. No. But, but when you were young. All of the stories were told through me or to me through my mother. Like mm-hmm. It's like a lack of no awareness, right? Mm-hmm. So like her, I think, you know, personally, like. I think she has a couple of the same diagnoses. Okay. She's that I do, but she does not treat it. And um, that rumination, she ruminates out loud. So some yeah. of that stuff I learned uh, through like experiencing it, right? Mm-hmm. So I know that the bitter details of her childhood. Mm-hmm. And then I know the bitter details of how difficult it is to be a, a mother. Okay. Like, you know, like you're sitting there with your mom and your friends and she's conveying how difficult it is to be a mother and how it's like a thankless job and all this stuff. And, that reflects and then on you, you just like look at her and you're like, but <laughs> so okay. So, so I'm like, like right here. And like, you know, and a friend goes like, well, yeah, but there's a lot of, Oh, of course. Well, of course I love them. Right. <laughs> and it's like, right. Great. Well, you want to talk about that? <laughs> and, right. And, and a lot of it came because like, and all right. So here's why I'm really here. I listened to your episode scott and i was like Ugh, here it is uh this is why i didn't become good friends with them when i first the two of you when oh. i when i first started it at the job we all have i was i was like oh man these two guys are married like, like they're cute and they're married and i need to not interfere with any of that <laughs> <laughs> and so then i listened I, to this podcast and i was like oh, see i knew i let i I'm falling in love with you. <laughs> you know, and, and, and you are know. you hetero flexible? Um, no? Well, how uh, do you self identify? Let's go around. How do you self identify? I'll help you get language if you don't have yeah, language. Yeah, yeah. I identify as a, a straight white male. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I'd go 90%. It's the scene, it's the volleyball scene in Top Gun that makes me know I'm at the 90%. Not seen it. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you about <laughs> <laughs> when I was seven years old uh-huh. and all those super awesome, sweaty fighter pilot jocks were playing volleyball on a beach. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, I don't know if I, qu- I I've always felt secure in my sexuality. Yeah, there's appreciation that, for the that, beauty that, of a that's body. That's where I knew that there was a 10% flexibility. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if the right person asks, uh, right. it's, yeah. a, it's yeah. a no questions. There you go. Yes. I there you go. think they have to be fighter pilots. Though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. And, and I, I often see the term like cishet. Uh, cisgendered heterosexual. Uh-huh, yeah. uh, is that my, I'm not sure if, if I you pronounce want, cishet. Yeah, cis, yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah. Um, cause it's, it's like a scientific, like, if you look, cis and trans are like, um, part of like the biological. Okay. And then cisgender system. is identifying basically by the assigned alignment. Birth or, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, some yeah. alignment. And What's that stand for? C- cis. Cisgender. Um, you know, I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know what I the cis means. Is that an it's, 
That's not an acronym. That's just no, a word. No, no, right? it's like a shortened scientific word. So, okay. like, even if we looked it up, I don't know and, if we could pronounce it. I don't know. So yeah, I'll Google it. Maybe it'll be in the show notes. <laughs> Who knows? I, you know, like, yeah. So yeah, that 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 is me, and I will only say that. Javier Baez is the only man for me, uh, former Chicago Cub. Um, All right, so it's a no. So, so basically, so basically, the reason I started this podcast is to become a Chicago Javier Baez. So you can become a Cub, or you can become a fighter pilot. If you want to try and see if these things work out, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, so it's not a no. I don't. No, I, I, I yeah, hear a no anyway. You're monogamous. <laughs> I think it's a no. Well, I thought that I was monogamous, but my 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 relationship wasn't. So I'm not ready to be in any <laughs> oh, sort of monogamous relationships. Oh yeah, that was like a it was a very unconsenting relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah. love consent along the way. That's oh, a mm-hmm. that's a thing I like. Mm-hmm. And and you know honestly, if if we're gonna talk about that a little bit, my my boundaries are kind of wide. Like, honestly, I, if she had said, Hey, this is what I want. I don't think that I would have cared that much. No, it would have been a conversation at least. It would have been, it wouldn't have been like, Oh fuck. No, it would have been like, well, where's this coming from? What's going on? Is this a polyamory thing? Is this a, you know, whatever. Yeah, this is an easy let down here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you just want an out? Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh man. And I said that to someone and, that was the wrong thing to say. <laughs> I, I just like I'm sorry. I'm just amazed by a uh, straight monogamous yeah. culture because it's all it's all assumptions. Well, and it all feels broken. It and, is honestly, absolutely with, with a, and and of course I'm the one getting a bunch of stories to tell on here. So I'm even hearing about all of the broken ones. But uh-huh. look, society in general is a little bit broken at this point. So. um so I, I was just wondering though, when when you talked about being three, I, I'm taking uh, it, I'm taking I, it yeah, deep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, first you talked about when you were three, then you talked a little bit about uh, feeling like a failed girl, f- failed girl, uh-huh. and I'm just wondering, like, at what point of your life did you start feeling like something isn't lining up? Honestly, here's the first memory I mm-hmm. can give you. So it's related to masculinity, but it's not really related to my personal understanding of self. Sure. Uh, but I'm sitting in kindergarten, and um, Cobden, Illinois, is actually where I'm at at the time. And okay. I'm in kindergarten. I have two older brothers, and they're um, in the school system. There is a uh, apple and peach orchard. It's in southern Illinois. Okay. Lamb's Orchard, I think, is like a... a um, a name that people may recognize, but there's a lot of migrant workers that came through mm-hmm. uh, Southern Illinois. And actually, my father worked at the um, camp that had the daycare for um, the kids of the migrant workers and stuff, like housing and things like that. Um, but if you've watched the recent John Oliver, where they're like showing like this is where they put people. It's, it was modern in the 80s. It's not anymore. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, there's definitely problems. Um, but so there were these like sort of competing cultures, right? So this um, uh, Mexican immigrant culture and then, you know, like these white people who had been in Southern Illinois mm-hmm. for six generations or something like that. Um, 
but so I was singing kindergarten and this kid, Francisco, who was, this is like my friend. Cause I, my dad, my, like I went to daycare there where my dad worked. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay. oh, I know these people and Francisco's in my neighborhood. He has a twin sister. Um, I, I am curious where they are now. Um, but <laughs> the principal comes in and says, this child has misbehaved. And this is what happens when he misbehaves. And he spanked the child in front of the kindergarten class. Mm-hmm. You know? And I remember my parents, like, there were waivers at the time. You had to, like, sign and be like, please don't beat my child. And I, re- I remember that. Right. That was, like, really significant. I was like, oh, wow. Physical violence is something that is, like, allowed. And then I witnessed it as a child. And it was, like, very, like, I, like, you know, it breaks your heart. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I w- witnessing here? You know, and then on reflection, you're just like, wow, this is this is the soup that I grew up in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, those were the adults that were around me. Mm-hmm. And you were five or six at that time? Well, kindergarten, whatever yeah. you are at kindergarten, yeah. I, and I repeated the first grade, um, too, which I think is, like, a significant part of my story. Because... I think it's just a series of adults failing uh-huh. because I was not able to express myself in a clear way. One, because sure. I didn't have the language to do so. I didn't have the example. You know, I was like, oh, okay, this is what it is, and this is what they're telling me, so I'm going to try at it, and then you just, like, don't succeed. And when you have a critical mother like I did, mm-hmm. it's... You know, it's just like a constant commentary about the choices that you make. Like, I remember uh, at some point, I think it was I came back from college, so it was like maybe the summer in between, like a first and second year or something like that. And I'm like getting dressed to go out and try a couple of different things, and then I come out in a t-shirt and jeans, and I was like, you know, you always try, but you end up in a t-shirt and jeans. (laughs) I'm like, okay. (laughs) I'll see you later. Okay. And, and, and in, the, you know. in that moment, I mean, that, that sounds like an anchor memory, I, I think. You're, uh, you, it, yeah, what T-shirt was I wearing? Well, it was no. like, <laughs> no, no, that's good. It was like this basketball, uh-huh. like, camp T-shirt that I had not gone to. I was just, you know, like, you were you go to the thrift store and you get, like, right. the dad pants. <laughs> or the grandpa pants, like, the, the uh, what... Uh, like some old tweet rayon pants or something. Or oh, something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and then you'd wear some like goofy shirt. Like, like what, what did I expect in seventh grade wearing an oversized t-shirt with the Pillsbury Doughboy on it? Did I expect people weren't going to fuck me in the stomach? And then when I paired it with my uncle's leather pants that were like at least five inches too long on my cause I mean like what was I thinking I don't know but I, 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 I want to talk about Jankos now if we're going to talk oh, about pants from a yeah. that time <laughs> I don't think I, I, I might have had one pair okay my, you know it was also like I don't know I, I think I think this is wonderful just having uh, a few moments uh, of very um, specific memories that I think are a collection of yeah, I like that. Just what I so you're well, talking about like so I was around thirty, right? Mm. And my uh, father passed away, and that was really what was the impetus for me to go all in 
with the things that I had been mulling over. Okay. The problem is, is that when you're enmeshed with someone, you identify so much and they keep you identifying with so much, you know, and it's hard. So you like need that separation, right? Or you need that sort of change in the environment or the relationship you have to the world to be able to yeah. like move forward. I don't think I'm a particularly resilient person. And I think that is a product of just like my life experience. But I also like, you know, you just, I don't want to be like my mom because her, her narrative is constantly, this is the world that has wronged me. Mm -hmm. And it is like repetitious. And sometimes it's an attempt to keep me close. And sometimes it's just she's emotionally dysregulated. Sure. You know. And I was also talking this morning to M, who was our last guest. Yeah. Guest. Oh, man, they're in it. Oh, they're in the middle oh, of it. Oh, yeah. And man, 2015 to now, man, there's... There's a lot that that person's avoided that's going to just come and hit you, yeah. eat, you know. Yeah, well, and she's working on it. And, oh, yeah, and that's all you can do. And, right, yeah. right. And, when, and the thing we talked about was how she, she asked me a question, and she said, do you think kids of our generation are going to look back at, at us and say, oh, they were fucked up? And I said, yes, of course they are. Yeah. And if you look back at generations... And they'll be right. And they'll be right. <laughs> and they'll be right. And... I am here. One of the reasons that the producer Dan and I are here is to get people to think about mental health and talk about mental health. And our parents' generation didn't have that same outlook. And if you go back to their parents, they were even. Yeah. You, you and then know, you're in the thirties and forties and like that right. was not. Right. You yeah. worked and then you died. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and it was like, everyone played their gender you, role. You've got food on the table. Why are you complaining? And it's progressively gotten better, and when I talk to my mom, I know she has regrets, and I know she wishes she knew things uh, that she could do better. And seek that reassurance not from your children, <laughs> okay? And if that. you are a child uh, of emotionally immature parents, give up the healing narrative. Sure, sure. I, I get that. I agree with that. And I think that the best that we can do, too, is to just pass on to, you know, do our best mm -hmm. and pass on to the ones coming after us and so that they'll have yeah. it a little bit better. Well, yeah, you, awareness is really what it is. You're not supposed to get it right. You're not supposed mm -hmm. to not be like the um, things you were taught. I think that's a really fun thing when you're exploring, like, uh, experiences is to be like, oh, it's a harmless experience, but like no one else does this. Mm -hmm. Like I have a sock basket and that was like something that we did in my house, which mm. was just a laundry basket full of socks. <laughs> and it would make a, a lot of sense. Cause like my mom was going to put those in a drawer and I certainly wasn't going to put them in a drawer, <laughs> you know? And, and like, yeah, when I'm looking for a pair of matching socks, does it take me more time than it should? Probably. But, like, I don't care because it's just, like, what my brain is used to. Well, and I think that from an ADHD standpoint or from, you know, wherever... Oh, yeah, it's what, a total life hack it, from an ADHD I, I, and, and, I, and I don't use the word life hack very often, but I'm absolutely using a ton of life hacks. Yeah. Because I was only diagnosed a year ago. Yeah. And I have realized now, what I say is, 
I do things to set myself up for success. And it's the same yeah, thing as yeah. a life hack, right? Yeah. It's this, I know how my brain works. I know that this isn't going to happen. So what can I do mm-hmm. instead of leave them on my damn floor or leave them in my dryer? We can have a basket. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, exactly. it might take an extra five seconds to find a pair of socks, but it would have taken extra time to find them at the beginning and put them together and put them away too. So, and what I like about that is that there's no way you should do things or are supposed to do things. Yeah. And people might look at that and be like, there's a well, sock so, basket. Okay. So when you started taking <laughs> stimulant medication, okay, uh, I'm taking Adderall. Yeah. Um, did you have that moment of, Oh, this is what natural motivation is. Yeah. It, it was this weird. Moment. <laughs> You're like, Oh wait, I don't have to like tell myself to do something. My body is just oh, like, Grayson. Hey, I'm about to do this thing. Grayson, the- Come along with me. I'm like, All right, cool. <laughs> so the first day I, I took Adderall, uh-huh. you know, I expected to feel something and I'm like, what, you know, cause, cause some people use it to, for recreationally. Right. And those yeah, people are stimulant. Right? Those people tend to. It's methamphetamine guys. Don't <laughs> think it's not. <laughs> and, and those people are people who, uh, the people who are abuse it are oftentimes neurotypical and it, uh, you know, maybe they might not realize that they're actually medicating. Something. Sure. Right. And, and that's what I'm saying though, is, and I meant to say if I didn't, oh, sure. that some people or many of them are neurotypical, but many right. are not. Yeah. And what the fuck is neurotypical anyway? Something yeah. that we just, well, define. and if you're, if you're medicating, you're not, you're not neurotypical. Right. You maybe have then maybe have a substance use disorder, but it was, or you might not. Just you're just like not aware of yeah. your needs if you're using the stimulant in that way, sure. or you're meeting some expectation. Oh, so this is like it takes seeing yourself, right? Uh-huh. And somehow you saw yourself in the world and identified with it and followed that thread, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what my experience has been because I have to translate it off of my my caretaker and into like, oh, well, who who are the people I want to have relationships mm-hmm. with? Because like, um, yeah. And can they help me build that inner resistance without it being codependency, but interdependent? Sure. Right? Interdependency versus co. And I want to talk about relationships in that way because I feel like uh, I feel like you and I are the same. I don't know if we're doing a fist bump, but we'll do a No, fist I was bump. like <laughs> grabbing a heart. I, I, I was but, bringing but, our hearts together. Galema. Galema. You've got it, Grace. Okay. But so I, I, I will answer your question and then get back is that the, the moment I noticed was when I emptied my dishwasher without thinking about it. Yeah. I, right. And it wasn't until after. Whoa. It wasn't until. Exactly. It wasn't until after the dishes were away. I was like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> Like I didn't think about it at all. I just walked yeah. into my kitchen, saw that they were done, opened the door and put them away and was like, oh, this is it. This yeah. is it. I can do things and I can live life because I have inattentive. I don't have like the hyperactive, uh-huh. but it's primarily like I can't do things. I'm disorganized. Mm-hmm. I'm it, it's I, weird. So I also have ADHD. I was diagnosed really young. Oh, uh, yeah. I was diagnosed when I was in junior high. I had a lot of problems concentrating then. Yeah. And I was on Dexedrine at the time, another stimulant. Okay. Um, Is that still prescribed? No. Uh, uh, okay. I ha- I was told at the time that you often grow out of that. Um, okay. And, ADHD? Or, no, uh, the, the usefulness need. of the medication. Uh, okay. It stops um, becoming uh, the if- uh, effectiveness uh, yeah. diminishes over I remember time. it helped me concentrate at school. My yeah. grades improved a lot. Um, oh, I don't remember a ton about that time, yeah. other than I was less miserable. 
I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in high school, sometime I stopped taking it, probably 16, 17, 18. Yeah. And, you know, my grades were never good, uh-huh. but I was a nice kid. Uh, I showed up to school and then I had like jobs and I had other things going on that, uh, you know, I was good at. Yeah. So despite my, you know, my, my parents you gave me the room to You did things that be, were rewarding. Right. And my parents you didn't gave me the room continue to, be. to feel like you were failing. Like, Correct. okay, if school isn't the thing, let me give you an opportunity to like flourish in a thing that you're good right. at. Right. And my oh, parents, wonderful. my parents gave me the space to, to be like, just pass. You get mm-hmm. D's and C's. Yeah. Fine. When Get out of high when, school. When you're, four, yeah, exactly. when you're 44 and doing customer support, nobody's going to ask you what your GPA was. Yeah. They, they haven't yet. <laughs> well, we might. Yeah. Uh, but then it's interesting. I like, cause I just knew I had ADHD and I lived my life and mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't, I'm not much of a book reader. I didn't mm-hmm. bother to learn any more about that. Diagnosis. <laughs> I just right. was me. And, um, you know, recently, eh, two years ago, I stopped drinking, and I feel like I've got a lot more room in my brain mm, yeah. to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also started following some people on or some some threads on Reddit and some other uh, yeah, just social stuff media. about ADHD. Yeah, uh, and man, I connect so much with right. so opens much your of mind. You're like, oh man, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy normal. What's something you've read recently that really blew your mind? You think? Um, one guy was talking about uh, the usefulness of ADHD in a hunter-gatherer sense in, yeah. um, in 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 times before modern times when you know the expectation wasn't just to be in an office and sit down and do stuff. Sure, um, you know, very useful in times of war to have somebody that could be hyper-focused, that could have think outside of the box and find solutions that don't exist in the regular the MacGyver of day. their time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> MacGyver exactly. had ADHD for sure. So <laughs> yes. without a doubt, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. So if uh, I figure out how to time travel, uh, I think I'd do pretty well in a medieval war. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Well, I, yeah. I, I, as long as you can come back and we can have a podcast about it, I, <laughs> I, I fully support this. I'm podcasting this from the Bill medieval times, man. <laughs> Or we can just go to medieval times down the road yeah, and podcast yeah. from there. That, 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 well, I too I, much salt. I know. Well, you've got goals now. You've got goals. Um, I, I'd rather go to the Ren Fair. <laughs> well, I haven't been, but let's talk about that. That's a very like hyper masculine space, is it not? The Renaissance Fair. Yeah. I don't know that it's hard. Or it can be. It can't, well, it, it's, it's very gendered roles, right? Wild, and people actually, maybe well, the fair like break is wildly those. Welcoming. Oh, of course. Okay. Like. Man, if I wanted to show up dressed as, you know, a purple fairy with wings, yeah. I don't know that there'd be a better place to do it. And no one's going to question that. Okay. No one's going to question yeah. that. No, of course. I've also seen people dressed as stormtroopers there. Okay. Uh, I would question that. So it's really just like getting dressed up and going. And yes. And so. most people dress in some kind of medieval to renaissance style mm-hmm. of... Yeah, of but, course. Of the time. Yeah. yeah but uh, <laughs> anybody is welcome in... Yeah, I'm I'm yeah, I'm real real pro Renaissance fair. I think that really the I think the, the the problem is is the people who write history leave out those parts, right? And like the purple fairy was there in medieval times, <laughs> right? Yeah. All right. So, a, a when you say they leave out those parts, yeah the 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 um, what do they say? The winners write the history right. book or something like that, yeah. and like. I believe that was the theme of the start of uh, Braveheart. <laughs> <I'll>, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
okay, so the the winners write the history is yeah. what you just said, and yeah. I would agree with that. And are you saying that people who don't conform to what we expect have been erased from history? Is that what you? I, I guess I'm trying it's to. It's just up with not the, told. Okay? okay, so like, like I think like I think about the oh, so uh, it's called Wrightwood. I, I, let me look it up because it's where I'm going today. Okay, nice. Um, they have an exhibit of photographs of um, gay men in Chicago, like a history historical cool. um, exhibit. Okay, this is the podcast. Yeah, that's it's, the podcast. Okay, just Google right with <laughs> but it's like a. That museum in the heart of Lake Lakeview. Um, it's a, it's like really cool. It's got like raw um, cement walls. They're like, don't touch the walls. And you're like, <laughs> all right. People's finger pieces. Okay, so Wrightwood 659. It's there you go. Probably better if I'm over here Googling while you're talking. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so you're you're heading there today, and you and you said it's kind of what that's about. I think. Yeah. So like like what I I think is is like every person wants when they're telling their history, it's, it's very much from their perspective. Like so, okay. I went to the Chicago History Museum recently, and there's a um an exhibit on the like uh, Polish diaspora in Chicago. Okay. Uh, really interesting, but it's definitely told from a very specific frame, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, everyone has their frame for the world, right? Mm-hmm. And how that gets built and then, you know, how you're primed for those mm-hmm. things. So, like, you know, I'm very thankful I did not have a religious framework growing up. Okay. That's one I'm really thankful for because I feel like I have met a lot of people who have that trauma. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of gender trauma in that experience. For, for sure. Yes. Um, you know. Uh, but... I'm yeah. So let's get back to that question. I'm really curious about uh, Scott. Um, the narrative of my experience through um, how I would name it is transitioning on the job. Okay. You know, yeah. and there's like different transitions, right? You have social transition, you have medical transition. Mm-hmm. Um, most primarily, and not everyone does those things. I think. Um, Sorry, I, I, this is this is how I do it with my one on ones too. It's like I ask a question and then I like, keep talking. So. Well, I do that too, and I'm a post, uh, host of a podcast where I interview people. Yeah. So I, it's it. I'm not effective always, but so you're asking about the transition at work, and it, yeah, what was your frame? So like, if we're talking about communication or experiences being something that is singular. Mm-hmm. What was your singular experience of my very visible transition? I, I I was very much hoping that we'd have the opportunity to speak about Oh, this I know. Time. I got some social capital here, guys. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, I knew you at work and we were friendly. We sat not far from each other. Yeah. And I liked you. And I don't know that we had ever even like gone out for in a group for drinks or anything at that point, but yeah. We saw each other in the office. I liked you. I think I probably assumed, um, yeah, I assumed you were uh, lesbian, queer. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, what was the language you used at the time, though? You, it sounds like you use queer now, but did you have a a language at the time, or it just was it like? No, I just. If I you mean, think I th- about I think the time, that's what you would say. I, w- I would have said. I would have said gay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or lesbian. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, one day we were in a meeting. It was a team mm-hmm. meeting of probably 30 people. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, HR is coming in to talk to us. <laughs> You're like, fuck, we're all getting It's <laughs> a mass layoff. And actually, I really, and this was 12 years ago, 10 years ago, something like that. Um, Yeah, I would say about eight, eight to 10 years. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. It was um, very early on. And in the first couple of years I worked there, I think. I thought. HR did a really good job. I, oh. I did too. HR, Are you kidding me? She is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, she walked in, HR lady. You were not there. Yeah. Oh, um, no, I didn't want to be She there, walked actually. into the team and she said, all right, guys, just to let you know, you're allowed to ask questions here, but this is what's happening. We've got a team member uh, who is transitioning and will now be identifying uh I assume she said something like, we'll now be identifying as male. But she basically said, sure. yeah. Uh, Grayson, Grayson and he, a, him. Huh? Yeah, yeah, Grayson's a dude now. <laughs> and we're Did all, she use the word no, dude? Probably not. No, no, no. no. That was you. She said, Grayson, Gray, Grayson, you know. This is who this it, is. And I do. identifying yeah. as. as it, it, what I'm hearing is it was very professional. Yeah. You got well, the information and, you needed. And, did, and it, there, was, there was, you were allowed to ask questions right now. Mm-hmm. And when we leave this room, this is what it is. If you have questions, you can come to HR, but the company is fully supporting this, mm-hmm. of course, and yeah. we're all going to make sure that Grayson yeah. feels welcome, it, Yeah, and you can ask questions here. And I'm going to make your story about me right now. Yeah, yeah the, the, There was one person <laughs> no, in the room that- I'm I, just really fucking curious. Grace, and, and I love the story, and when you know he set it up, HR came in, I could tell that- she was working really hard to make sure she was saying the right things. Uh-huh. And, you know, I looked around the room and what I will say is, and I hope your experience was what I thought that I observed, because I thought it was it, at that time, that meeting was something that I didn't expect uh, yeah, and had never been part of that process. I, I'd never... Knowingly. Yeah, this is a new experience for right. me, like wholly new. Right. Yep. And like when, I have nothing to anchor. And and I'll be honest, when, when it came when she started talking, it was like, whoa, this is big news. And I thought thought that the room, you know, I was a little worried, like what what is was is the room? It felt a little severe. For, yeah. Yeah. And in what way? Like just like uh, some tension in the room? Because oh, okay. every, like Think, HR came in and said, this is what we're doing, and you're right. okay with it. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And you're allowed to ask a question now. Yeah. Right. And, like setting very strong and clear right. expectation and, and boundaries. Right. Yeah. And people are like, whoa, right. girl, like, yeah. where this coming from? It was, yeah, it wasn't like, like, hey, this is what's happening. It was, no big deal. It was right. like, this is what's happening. And, are you on board? No, it was you are on board. And, okay. and, and <laughs> yeah, Dan, no question. Producer Dan, I'm glad that you just added that context, because when I thought back to it, I have wondered why the room felt so like tense. It, yeah, it, it and that that makes sense. But and it was new for everybody. Yeah, nobody oh, had. Oh, for sure. Done, yeah, for me too. Right. Before. Right. I had and, never transitioned on the job. And, right. And Grayson, <laughs> <laughs> Grayson, you you may know this already, or may have suspected this because I've kind of told this story before. Uh huh. Um, 
And, and I even told it in the video at work. Once. Yeah, I, love I loved watching that. I was like, <laughs> oh man, of course this was gonna. Someone was gonna talk about this. And and <laughs> there there was a a time in my life when I was I I don't want to use the right. I don't know what my right words are. I'm not trying to choose carefully. I just don't know what you, words that I want to use right okay. now. But I was not accepting. And oh, okay, yeah. You know, I what I'll say is I think that was. Part of a traditional Midwestern yeah. male growing up experience. And and I'll certainly say, like, okay. I wasn't, like, malicious or hateful. I just, the, when I was... Well, you didn't understand, so yes. how would you be able to accept? And, you know? when and, I was, and it sounds like, you know, and uh, rightfully so, HR did not take the role to inform you of right. a community or a process. Like, she was just giving you the bare minimum yep. that you needed to know. Like, and, <laughs> it was and like, you know, looking back, I... I got some stories too. You know, I, I'll, <laughs> I'll even say that even though I realized that I grew up in the 80s, I grew up in a small town, I was more conservative when I grew up, but still looking back, you know, I had a progression that has taken me from being somewhat conservative to very liberal. Oh, and interesting. during that journey, you know, first when I was in high school, you seem too tender. To I me. would. <laughs> Well, it, it, it's where you, it's what I knew growing up. Yeah, and of course. My experience was being a white. You don't know boy, until you know, right? right? And I, I was like any. I shouldn't say any. There are definitely better people than me, but a lot of white kids would say a lot of mean things in the '90s that are using words we wouldn't use today. Mm -hmm. And even at the time, even when it didn't feel like it was filled with hate, it, you know, it, yeah, we would talk and joke though, and. Obviously, oh, sure. But of the joke. Yeah. And, and that's where I, I certainly would use words not as endearment, but not as vitriol. It'd be somewhere yeah. in between without realizing the weight of those words. And as I got to my 20s, I started... <laughs> Just asking questions, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think this is a relevant story. And as I got to oh, my 20s, sure. you know, I, I might, or probably when I got to college or whatever, I started evolving and learning. And then I get out and actually... I'm going to tell I will say that Dan is actually more responsible for my start, my journey from going from more conservative to liberal than anyone mm -hmm. else. Oh, nice. And I've, I don't think I've ever said that to you. And by the face you're making, I, I think that I didn't. But it was one of the good <laughs> hey, things. And we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the good things that came out of Facebook. Are we at an hour? <laughs> was one of the good things of coming uh, of Facebook was that I followed people like Dan. I friended them. And back at the time, I know you almost never use it now, but you posted a lot of things that were social and important, and you, um, it swayed me. And my journey began and kept going, and oh, no. Gra Grayson just tried to lick my yeah, can. Um, <laughs> but I, I did start learning, and it, that kind of became my journey and looking into things more on my own. And by the time you transitioned at work... You can thank my wife for that, because I think mostly I just reposted her. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and by the time you transitioned at work, I do feel like that transitioning was like the last frontier for me. Like the last thing that I definitely would say, ooh, that's... I don't get it. Like, mm -hmm. and... Yeah. You know, I don't know what word I would it have used at the time. It was uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable because um, your idea of like your own identity is sort of like 
yeah. rocked a little. You're like, oh, I've never had to question that. Should I question yeah. that? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. It, it was, the idea was just totally foreign. Yeah, you're like, oh, that's not how men yeah. become yeah, men. That's just not a thing. That's yeah. just, and, and Grayson, what, Wait. you know, what I... It changed my life, though, and I. Oh, good! It, it literally changed my life. I hate being the impetus for change in I people's know. lives. I just want <laughs> you to know that. I, I I'm sure you do. Yeah. This and, is, and and it's related to like the uh, caretaker trauma, right? Yeah. Because I, um, like, that moniker is like put on you. Oh, you're my guru. Yeah. You're and, my. And I get that. Guru. And I get that. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. I. And that's why I've never come up to him and like, hey, you know, you, you changed my life. And yeah. I, I've got people in my life who say that you know everybody calls me strong or everybody call, and they don't want to be the model of anything. It just let me be a. Yeah. a no. Human, hey. No. Right? It's, a, it's not bravery for me to come out. Right. Well. Uh, it, I, no, I, it's not. It's not a brave act. Um, it's like a a desperate act. Okay. To like, you know, stay alive, and because, sure. like, you couldn't be any other way. Yeah, you know, I I think one of the things that helped push me over the edge is like, oh well, I'll never regret this choice. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, might as well move forward. Yeah. Right. You know, whatever happens, happens, but I'm not going to regret that I'm taking this first step. For sure. Uh, yeah. And so I will say, though, the, the point that I want to get to yeah. that, that, that I think when I say change is... It was tension in the room. In that moment... No, I'm not talking about the tension quite yet. Okay. But in that moment, it clicked. I didn't just suddenly understand everything by no. all means, and I still don't to this day understand everything. But in that moment, I, yeah. I was like, well, Grayson's the same person today yeah. as Grayson was yesterday. Yeah, that's what helped my brother, I think. Yeah. I It was like, I don't have to get to know a new person because suddenly I say he or Grayson or yeah. whatever. It's the same person today. Yeah, people and, don't change fundamentally. And right. that in that moment, it was like, oh. Or you hope they don't. I mean, some right. people might. And it's different for trans women. It really is. is it's it? very different. It's very different. But for it, me, it was like this just realization. And it was like, oh, okay, cool. And I'm looking around the room and I don't see anybody who's like having an off-putting reaction or anything. And when I started to say earlier that I hope your experience was how I perceived it, mm-hmm, is that yeah. it seemed to be that people were like, oh, and I... You know, maybe they got it, maybe they didn't, maybe mm-hmm. they're somewhere in between, but it didn't seem like anybody was like, fuck this, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's not right. And then there was the tension in the room, and one person raised his hand. Oh, uh, was it you? Or was it you? <laughs> oh, it was you. Oh, okay. Yeah, and what did you ask? Um, I think I, I raised my hand. And I hope you'll use the same voice if you remember the voice. No, no. Well, you go ahead because I don't think I do. Uh, okay. So he, he raised his hand. You know, he's standing there with his hand up. <laughs> and HR called on him. And, and of course, like HR, like just laid down the law, like we're good with this. If yeah. you have a question, ask it. Yeah. yeah. And it I never... don't really want to hear whatever your stupid <laughs> question is. But go ahead. And, and, well, also, I looking. think she was like, man, I don't know the answer. And <laughs> if I get a question, I can't answer. Right. And, and everybody's kind of looking at each other. Dan puts his hand up. And of course, everybody's looking at me like, what the fuck are you going to ask? Oh, really? People are nervous. About <laughs> and, 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 he, and he makes this face that the listeners can't see, but he's like, is he still going to be a Packers fan? <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. And I, I think what took me so long from the time she called on me to the time to speak 
was that I had to stop and think and make sure that I used the appropriate new, uh, pronoun that we were just introduced to. Sure. Yeah. And I think that that created a dramatic <laughs> pause that made it way funnier. Uh-huh. And it, it broke the tension. Everybody in the room laughed. Yeah, the great. HR left and... Uh, well, here's I, the answer. No, I, I'm against football now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what the hell you're doing here. We've got nothing left to talk about. Yes, uh, but but that 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 a grotesque corner of capitalism <laughs> is football. <laughs> it's very reasonable. So yeah, what you, you know, you asked us our experience. Are you willing <laughs> to share a little bit what your experience? Oh was? sure, you know, like um, so like I said, like the catalyst was my father passing, mm-hmm. um. And so I started therapy, and the first therapist I found, archaic, um, a little bit. And But I also recognized that I was having OCD feeling, like mm-hmm. thoughts at that time, and I did not share them with the therapist because I did not feel safe. Okay. Right. And it was basically because of some of the questions she was asking, and she was not explaining why she was asking those questions, you know. Um. But then I found like a, a a group at Live Oaks in Chicago, which I I recommend um, that practice. It's okay. really wonderful. I'm still with the person who I found at that. They have their own practice now, right? It's that's, separate. But... That's great. And I will say that Dan and I advocate a lot. If you if your first therapist fails, find another. Oh yeah, and and you know when you have these diagnoses, it's it's that process is difficult, and there might be months or years in between. But, like, there's no wrong way to continue therapy. So, like, if it does take you that long, that's mm-hmm. so long it took you. Um, totally worth it. Yeah. Sure. And um, so you're going to Live Oaks with a new therapy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that's why I say it's like a lot harder for trans women because that was the most, mostly the voices and experiences in that group because it was uh, focused on trans experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like so much, so much you have to, so much you have to hide when you're a trans woman mm-hmm. uh, in your transition. Like, <laughs> so this is very much an experience that I have when I introduce myself to people in the community, especially early on. They weren't sure if I was transitioning to male or female, mm-hmm. like, you know, like what binary you're going down. Um, and I really attribute that to people just want to I- see themselves and identify themselves in the community. So they're like, oh, yeah, this is a person. I'm like, oh, okay, not quite. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so one of the first thoughts was people are going to notice that I don't have boobs anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, it would be so inappropriate for a coworker to comment on my boobs. So, like, I don't care. I'm going to wear this binder. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, I think I did that for a while. I think some of the stuff that really sort of pushed me to come out at work was I worked with all women and, you know, sort of the um, culture of polite or professionalism, right? Ladies, so being grouped as ladies and just not really being able to feel comfortable in an identity. And so, you know, I went to HR and I said, here's Chicago House, their um, uh, nonprofit organization in Chicago. They may still be around. Anyway, I had a, f- a friend was working in the, like, 
housing part of the of that nonprofit, and I was like, here, call them. They'll give you at least just some ways to approach this. You know, good luck, God bless. Uh, if you have questions, let me know. Um, but my understanding is these are the two things that I need to be doing. That's all we really need to do. HR was very kind and um, was like, well, I hope this is an environment that you feel comfortable like Good. transitioning in. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I think everyone's on my side, you know? And if they're not, then they're just like working them their way out of the company anyway. Yeah, and probably you know? not worth their time. Yeah, and yeah, just like whatever. That's my job. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're getting further from the mic. I would. Sorry. Good. Uh, yeah, and so I did actually host some meetings. So I I wanted to talk to the people that I I worked with directly, and so I did a couple. And the one with sales was hilarious because like I had which, a, is, which is like the broiest culture at our. At, yeah, at, at and, the company. Yeah, and you know, the people who were in there, it was like all like authoring. So it was like, you know, the names oh. who were in there. Some really great guys. Totally. Um, some guys who aren't with us anymore. I mean, in the company. <laughs> I hope they're living still because they got out. No. Um, <laughs> but I had my little spiel and everything, blah, blah, blah. And then, <laughs> then Peoria is like, I just one question. What is the name? Because I didn't say, like, call me Grayson. I was like, guys, <laughs> I, I, I changed my name, and it's kind of nice because, you know, like, whatever, and, like, talk a little bit about how my mom dealt with that and stuff. And then he's like, great, great. What is the name? <laughs> I was like, oh, right, important right. information. Oh, you built the suspense so much for your name. Yeah. Yeah, and so like it was very, it was very uh, welcoming, and Good. and really the thing that I wanted the most was just like move on from it. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. a piece of information in a day. Let's just keep going. And I heard that uh, VP of Sales was like, if I hear of any bullshit, Good. I'm gonna yeah, me to answer to or something like that. And I was like, great, I guess that's how you just gotta talk to people sometimes. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I sat with the women that I was managing at the time and uh, they were some of the first people that I talked to and really their questions were like well when can we start doing this because mm -hmm. we'd like to get comfortable in doing it and, and stuff and I was yeah. like well you know there's a timeline yeah, people gotta be informed that but. does seem like an, a kind of a weird space to be in I mean for all of you yeah yeah um, but very supportive like sure I think people Good. who understood I think I think a lot of people came to them uh, and you know, uh, one of the women was gonna, they're like, oh, blah, blah. I was like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't need to know. I can imagine what the stupid yeah. questions are. <laughs> <laughs> one of which was, where is he going to use the, what, which bathroom is he going to use? Mm -hmm. I, that came across me, across my desk at some point that someone had said, and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I, it's difficult for me to understand why that's such a tough thing for straight people to grasp. Which one? The, the, the bathroom, bathroom question. Oh, sure. frankly, who gives a shit? Yeah, I mean, your like, bathroom at home is gender neutral. Gives a shit. It, it, the urinals oh, are gross. <laughs> Stalls are there. Yeah. Like, this yeah, is no, not a I don't sexual think people place understand. to be. No, hold on. I don't think people understand what, what 
uh, how a urinal actually functions. It leaves the pee in the bowl. Even when you flush, there is still pee in the urinal. In most cases. It's like a low flush toilet, guys. Yeah. It's disgusting. And the ones <laughs> the ones where the drain is on the floor, I can't even remember what oh, yeah, oh, yeah. dive oh, yeah. bar in Chicago that is now. But it's several. Yeah. This yeah. <laughs> is like you are literally peeing yeah. on, on, on the your, floor. On your feet. Troughs are. I mean, you wear, you wear oh, sandals. The, tr- the troughs are quite, the games. Quite the experience. Just, yeah. Oh, man. I, it's communal. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's great fast. to look a guy in the eye across. Oh, oh it really. Rubbing Yeah, definitely. <laughs> when Wrigley had the troughs and you're on the opposite side. And, and the, the wall <laughs> dividing only came up to your shoulders. Yeah. That was. You're hoping you're not the same height as a guy I mean, and then you look to your, you can't look to your, you, well, you can look to your left or to your right, but you're just looking at another man then. Yeah. Now, so Northwestern one, Stadium has just a plain wall, a plain wall with a drain at the, the bottom. Wall. Wow. And you just go pee on the wall. I think those <laughs> are my favorites. Good. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Oh, I, freedom can, to pee on a wall. Can, can, I, I do have to ask this question, Dan. Is there anyone, anyone at all who pees on that wall that doesn't put both hands behind mm-hmm. their head? Because I don't think it's possible to do that. Like, like <laughs> physically impossible to pee on a wall without your two hands clasped behind your I head. I don't think I've. Well, I don't think I've tried to do it. <laughs> oh, oh, so. it's called fire hosing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's. I, 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 I need pictures. Not of people using it, but I need to know I what this we actually is. We just need to do a live stream right from the Northwestern Stadium bathroom. I think so. Okay. But did so did the, anyone the else recent... catch that he said stream? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me say that. And so the recent thing I saw about bathrooms was uh, <laughs> the be. only um, person that has, or the only um, group of people who have, like, peaked under stalls inappropriately are kids under seven. And so we should outlaw kids peeing in public because they I'll get behind that. encroach on your yeah. privacy. Yeah. And frankly, those floors are gross. Kids shouldn't oh, be crawling yeah. around oh, on them like that. I was at the Garfield <laughs> Park Conservatory and this woman was standing outside like, hey, kid, come on, let's go. And the kid crawled under the stall door, and I was like, ah, oh, God, hey, kid, you can't do that. Like, is it locked down? You know, I, and he, like, kicked it open with his foot. And I was like, why did you crawl under the stall door, man? That's so gross. I, I, thought, I thought for sure when you said the only people peeking under stall doors was leading us to the, the Juggalo conversation. Oh, what's sure, the Juggalo I conversation? Sure the only people to do that are Juggalos. Oh. Um, because is that true? I feel like you're really putting all juggalos in a strange basket uh, yeah mm-hmm. look I, yeah, they're a very diverse crowd it's, they and, are. and this is they, we're a very diverse crowd oh you're <laughs> a juggalo <huh? laughs> was it the maybe man? adjacent song oh, that guy. oh dan producer dan i found out last night that from the last episode m's x has a ju- has an icp tattoo like that didn't come break. up in the podcast yeah do it uh that's crazy. i have no icp <laughs> tattoos Yet. Uh, <laughs> no, I I think that uh, she thought that's why we brought up ICP in oh, the really? podcast. Yeah, she thought that I knew. <laughs> and she thought you were trying to get her to signal her ex back. I, I don't know what exactly she thought, but so that that was that was it. And and then when I told like people, like the people I like, managed their schedule. 
there was one woman who just like had this look of like, oh, this makes sense now. Okay. You know, like, oh, I know why his boobs are smashed in that t-shirt mm-hmm. now. It makes sense. I think one of the things that you really want people to say, or really what I wanted people to say was like, oh, this makes sense, or oh, yeah, I kind of expected this. Yeah. Or like you're saying, oh, yeah, you're not a different person. It's just like yeah. this and, um, background thing that's happening to you, and our society forces you to be vulnerable in this moment because you have to teach people how to respect you. Yeah. They don't know how to do that automatically because society has not socialized them to do that. Well, that, that that's that's what's so hard for... I shouldn't say so hard, but... When I'm going to say two things, like you wanted some people to to feel like, oh, that makes sense or whatever. Yeah, those people but, close to you. And 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 I will very honestly say that I do not remember what I had thought of you before. At this point, it's been so long. I just think. I mean, what I do remember is thinking that you're the same person. Yeah. But I don't remember you asked Dan if if he thought you were gay or what or. I don't think you asked that. I think you asked him what he thought, and that might have been one of the ways he responded. Yeah. I don't remember that. I don't remember speculating. I'm not saying I didn't. No, you just didn't. It was not a thought. But. Yeah, it's okay. I, I, so I can't answer that, but I do remember the, the whole thinking that you're, you're the same person. Yeah, my brother asked for that clarity. He's like, because, you know, you go from like a brother-sister relationship and like, that's very gendered and like how. Sure. And, you know, he. He ha- um so older brother, so he had the experience of being a younger brother. Okay. We also have some cousins where he was like very brotherly with, so he's like a, has the older brother experience, and like this was singularly, oh, this was my sisterly experience, sure. you know, and like so like how do how do I understand you now, and like how do we relate? And my answer was just like, well, you could think of me a, a big gay bear, <laughs> <laughs> and that helped him give a get a little and, framework and, on and, how to do that. And you referred to you know different types of transitions. You said a work transition. It's all social, social transition. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you so is there is one a family or is that a social? Is that all uh, together? You know, I I knew it was going to be a direct conversation with my mom. Mm-hmm. And I knew that was going to be hard, and it was um, for various reasons. But, you know, she's very loving. You know, I'll love you no matter what you are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like, I don't need love. I need understanding and support. Okay. Um, you know, and those are those are different things for some people. Yeah. Um, and before I ever told her, she knew. And so she's like, don't let them brainwash you. So she thought therapy was going to brainwash me. Really what that was responding to was she was not going to have control over me anymore, right? Wow. The, uh, th- therapy threatened the relationship. So is it? Uh, um, so my, I think the way I'm understanding this is, hey, you are who you are and I love you, but I still need that control. I still need, I, I need, don't need you to pull away. As long as our dynamic doesn't change, then we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it was changing fundamentally. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so I told her before I told my brothers, that was like a little difficult for her because she's like, I can't talk to your brothers about it. Like, when are you going to tell them, please? Mm -hmm. So I can talk about me. Um, (laughs) And uh, she did call me uh, with a list of her anxieties, like. 
you're going to lose your hair, your beautiful skins, you know, going to go away. And this like, isn't helpful in any way, but this is this her just making it about herself? This is her processing. Okay. But yeah, and, and the challenges with my mother are not about my identity. They're about her. I like how Brandon Johnson is using untreated trauma. Okay. I like that term. He's using it, it, mayor of Chicago yeah. now, right? Okay. Brand, brand new mayor. Yeah. Um, another thing, another thread we could go down, right? When you are oh, yeah. politicized, right? You as Chicagoans are politicized. My brother lives in Omaha and he says, oh yeah, we're going to go visit Chicago this weekend. Oh, don't get shot. It's like, okay, I'll be sure not to get shot. Can I tell you that one of my favorite things on this podcast is when our guests do voices? Oh, I don't know why, but every fucking time it just hits. It's like, like that voice that I hope you don't get shot. What I can't do it. Yeah. It was wonderful. Thank you. All right, podcast over. We, we <laughs> but I think that's like another thread you can always like talk about when you're talking about identity is like is your identity politicized mm -hmm. and even like you might not think as white males that it is but uh white men are being radicalized that's a fact and i also think it's a very interesting like just from a a, a social like psychosocial um aspect that the latino population is being radicalized in a similar way mm -hmm. yep and that's like that's just well, and, Why? And, and, but but also, in, where's the balance too? Because there are more time. There are a lot of times when I talk about being a white man, I'm using uh -huh. like derogatory language. I am. I it's like, like well, self-deprecating. Self-deprecating. Self sure. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's it's healthy to understand that you've got advantages and privilege, and and that there's a way that you can be perceived. Mm -hmm. But there's also going too far, and. You know, where's the balance? It's, it, it's not helpful to only see myself and identify myself as a, you know, middle-aged white man who has all of the advantages. It's mm. good to be aware of that. But there comes a point when I also feel guilt. And that's not good, good or bad necessarily, because sometimes that guilt, guilt can, can be selfish. It can, And it can also help you be introspective, too, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. So. Like, that's the thing is, like, you need to do that and don't feel guilty about that. It's the part where you're like, I'm going to bring someone in as a pawn in my processing. Mm -hmm. And that's what. It can feel like sometimes, and especially with someone who like goes through that cycle and actually never like moves past the cycle, that's also really hard mm. because you fight for them to have the perspective that you need them to have. They thank you for that, but then they just go in somewhere else, and it's like an exhausting cycle to get into mm. with anybody, right. you know? And I think I heard echoes of that, of what... um you were talking about your entry into uh, therapy being, maybe I can help this person. Yeah. Maybe I can learn something to help this person. So you were going in for someone else, which is like, I think, an amazing thing. You know, uh, just like, wow, how like delusional were you? <laughs> right? And we've all been there. Sure. Like, I. Well, and Grayson, a lot of... And maybe it's more of, like, the healing, uh, 
the healing fantasy or what what do I call it? Yeah. Like, like you're the, not going to heal that if if the other person is, if the other person is not showing up to grow, like you'll grow beyond them. Like Yeah. Well, I mean, I and I very changement is inevitable. Even before we started recording, you've you've just had a lot of wise words today that I appreciate the hell out of and I do oh, think no, that's okay. <laughs> I I think that um, recognizing our behaviors and the the whys that we're doing things mm. is kind of incredible. And you know, the why I went to therapy wasn't necessarily to help her as much as that's what I thought I was doing. Right, the, that's why I say uh, you're delusion. Right, hey, everybody, I'm going to help my wife. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, I don't understand why I feel this way. <laughs> but um, amazing that that's what, like, you were still open enough to learn that that's not what was happening there. Yeah. Right? Well, it took me literally a month. And yeah. Four sessions. I was going <laughs> weekly at that point. And after the fourth, at, the, at or after the fourth session, I was like, well, there are things in my control. And what's in my control is me. And, you know, let's work on me. And whatever happens after that will follow. Exactly. I love that. I like when people get to that point where it's like, oh, right. I'm not going to help this person. I can just like focus on my myself. And, and yeah, that's just the truth. I it's wonderful I, when people get to that point. Yeah, I think it. Uh, I got to that point about two, two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. uh, working with my therapist and, you know. Our. Our, our therapist. therapist. My apologies. <laughs> uh, well. Mine you before yours. Okay. I, you know, okay. You no own big, him. You no, own him. No big deal. Just mine before yours. You, you know, I'll find you a new the one. Same. Whatever. You, you share the same therapist. Yeah, we yeah. do. I, it, it, you know. I lived with two people who shared the same therapist. It's really interesting. It is. Uh, it, yeah. It, he needed a referral. I had one. And right on. You here know. we are. Yeah. Hey. You and it know. worked. And that's the thing. It's, you know, it, starting therapy is, is a great thing. And sometimes it's the hardest thing. And okay, so your therapist identifies as male, right? Yep. And is, is that an important aspect of the relationship for you? Not for me. For me, yes. Yeah. Um, well, my wife is a therapist. Uh huh. Totally have a thing for hot therapists. <laughs> Got it. And uh, you need a boundary. Just, just. Yeah, that's a. Th- uh, you know fe- yourself, so you're feelings yourself... that I didn't want to be involved yeah. with while we're processing other things. Yeah, I, you knew you wouldn't be able to be vulnerable. In the ways that you needed to be. Yes. Yeah. Or some feelings would get crossed in a way that I yeah. uh, make it would, worse. would not be helpful. And yeah. my last therapist was a woman. And uh-huh. I stopped going to her years ago. And I don't think she practices in Illinois anymore. Okay. And that's the primary reason I was looking for someone else. And honestly, I a, a lot of my very close relationships are women. And... I feel as if I can tell women more most of the time. And that might be a gender role thing. It might be mom. I talk, or maybe not gender role. Your your mother may have conditioned you to be uh, sympathetic. And, you know, because she needed sympathy and was not receiving it. But a child will well, give endlessly to um, maintain that, mm -hmm. like, safety. Well, and, and, you know, I, I haven't dived in and tried to understand the whys or anything there. Yeah, good luck. But what what I will say <laughs> is that I have just had more comfort 
expressing myself to women. And, yeah. And I would say that it's more that like my dad They're and more I, empathetic. And my, my, my dad and I don't have like a relationship where we speak about emotions. And okay. I, I would say it's more from that is that I've grown I up see that. and when there are things that I need to talk about, it would be my mom who I would talk to right. about those things. Right. And we, you know, my parents both had, their different role that they played in my right. Upbringing. So you feel like you went to them. They didn't come to you. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think that, but that's what I'm comfortable with. Yeah. And my first therapist was a woman and I, I, I didn't have areas that I was uncomfortable bringing up to her, but I can see that there could, there, there might've been stuff I didn't get to that maybe I wouldn't have spoken look, to a woman. Look, when, when you share a life experience with your therapist, and I do with mine, like we're mm-hmm. very much so, I, there is a certain framework that you don't have to explain. It's just like, I understand culturally where you're coming from yeah. because this is also my life experience and it's okay, you know? And, and like, we can continue to talk about that. And, and like, that was one of the reasons I was able to finally express those feelings that someone could affirm for me was OCD. I'm like, I'm having these thoughts and it doesn't, I've, I've looked online and this is what it says. Is this what's happening? And my therapist is like, yeah, you should probably talk to your psychiatrist. (laughs) You know, know, upped my medication significantly, which really helped. And, um, just some other other and, stuff, but yeah, you know the the validation, <laughs> yeah, you know the amount of validation that you can get when you find someone who knows or understands or has experience, um, is just kind of incredible. And you know that's I I find that that's one of the things that is most useful in my relationship and with my therapist mm-hmm. is to say things and have them say that that yeah I get that. Mm-hmm. Or that's okay. And I don't... Normalize, right? Normalize your feelings. Bring them into the public sphere and feel it. And realize you're not... This isn't a singular experience. Like people are experiencing similarly. Yeah. And one of the things he says to me... So I I will say that, you know, drug use is something that I'm very inexperienced with outside of alcohol and marijuana. This is what I adopt you. Are you sure you don't want to be my boyfriend? It could be platonic boyfriends. <laughs> platonic life partner is a phrase I heard someone use recently. All right, Scott, I'm adopting you. <laughs> but I'm going to go to Brew Brew at least like once a month. You're up in Porridge Park. What's good up there? Where's your spot? What, what do you, you want to do? What are you looking for? Yeah, come on. Are we, are we, are we, well, I mean, where that's you, what, what where are you going to show up at? Having drinks? I'm, I'm going to a knitting class tonight. Oh, nice. Oh, wait, no, it's canceled now. So we're going to go uh, like next week or something. Um, do you know how to knit? No, that's why I'm going to a class. Do you? Yeah, bring me along. I don't know how to crochet. <laughs> oh, same, yeah. yeah. I was stuck in the woods for uh, six or eight weeks. Okay. With, uh, mostly gals. Okay, and, and they I, taught you to crochet. That's where I learned crochet. how to crochet. Nice. Have yeah. you completed any projects? Uh, let's see. It's it's been a while. Oh sure. Um, but the last one I made was just a few years ago. I made a hat for my mom for Christmas. Oh, that's lovely. And she still wears it. And neighbor oh, Francis, neighbor Francis, who was on an episode too. Uh-huh. Uh, he had a job uh, enrolling people um, 
in Medicare and their, sure. you know, they had enrollment during a certain period. And then they had lots of downtime during other periods. And he brought his stuff to work and decided to learn how to knit. Mm-hmm. And a knitting store just opened down the block from us. Nice. And, Is it uh, something you and Francis are doing together, though? Yeah. We're, yeah. We're, oh, we're, buddy date knitting. I yeah, love yeah, this. Yeah. So he, he bought us tickets. And uh, mm. he, unfortunately, he, he can't <laughs> make it tonight. <laughs> so we are rescheduling. But yeah, I, yeah. I will... Uh, knit some uh positively terrible merch at some point and, sweet yeah yes. yeah sweet uh, i can help you with the applique so like putting words on top of something that you've knitted nice well and, and we can put a really high level of, of patreon we don't have our can, patreon up yet can you oh, do like some do voodoo dolls <laughs> sure uh I'm into that okay let's let's why say. why why that though uh i find them interesting and macabre and yeah uh you know i guess i don't know anyone who practices voodoo and it's probably culturally insensitive no you're you're responding to like the style of it right but like the yeah, aesthetic I think, I think you like the aesthetic voodoo dolls are neat looking and yeah. uh especially cartoony looking ones yeah okay all right so we're gonna have a uh, knitting circle for positively terrible uh sure we will. There's charge. a knitting I mean, store that opened up by my place. Are okay. we again? Like, okay, when we're trying to wrap up, just be like, <laughs> are you are you practicing or telling me? No, yeah, it's time to wrap it up. I okay. thought so. I mean, now that now that we're on knitting, yeah. Okay, is it my turn to wrap it up? Is is I mean, are we going? Here, I'll wrap it up because I'm the new co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> You've been listening to Positively Terrible on the Metuvier Podcast Network. Terrible Podcast Network. <laughs> Terrible Podcast Network. Okay, hold on. Okay. From the top. From are, the top. Are, you intimid- are you imitating one of our voices, or is this your own uh, this podcast is, this voice? This is like your NPR voice. I Which, like this. I mean, you want me to do Dan? I think I could do Dan. Let's hear it. Well, give me your script, though. We don't have a we script. Don't have script. Dude, just wing it, bud. No, but you read the opening. Oh well, oh, well, we're closing now. Yeah, we're closing. I know, but your closing doesn't have anything specific. <laughs> in it. Well, oh, my closing does. Okay. Um, close, close the shot like you're me. Okay, hold on. You've been listening to Positively Terrible on the <laughs> Terrible Podcast Network. I think you nailed it. <laughs> I, I loved it. <laughs> now I'll I'll do Scott. Maybe okay. Do words. please. What's a word you say a lot, though, Scott? I say positively terrible. Oh, positively terrible. <laughs> I'm Scott on the Terrible Podcast Network. All right. No, I'm, I can't do you yet. Okay. Well, I still keep, thought that was good. Keep Thank working you. on it. I, I thought the Dan one was certainly better. It, it has been great, Grayson. Thank you for coming in today. Yeah, thank you, guys. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's it's been wonderful. You've and been one, wonderful acquaintances and, over the last ten years. And I'm glad I you feel the same. <laughs> and, and you've said acquaintances a couple times now, and I'm glad you've said that because you're one of the people. That I don't know if you all have people like this in your lives, but you're one of the people that I've like always kind of thought cool person. I wish I knew them better. And I'm glad that, you know, you and I over the last couple months have had a couple of conversations, got coffee one day, had this. So it's been great getting to know you a little better. Today was awesome. And, and really... anytime your name comes up when Scott and I talk, I always it always makes me feel good. I always have good yeah. associations with you. 
Cool. I think I can change this. <laughs> Keep hanging out. Well, like, I, man, he comes over and smokes all of your weed. <laughs> like, so that that is the challenge to you leaving today is to leave less of a great impression on us. Uh, <laughs> no or, problem. A, a, <laughs> but I always tell people when they come in that I'm I I am honored. I, I struggle to come up with a better word, but I'm always surprised Grateful. that people always come and are willing to share, not just with us, but with our audience. And we're oh, getting yeah, more downloads true. than we expected at this point, at least I... Very true. Hello, did. people I work with. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been great having you. And, you know, last week, uh, humbled was another word that came up. And I am humbled. I'm honored. You've been a great, great guest. And you passed the decent fucking human test. Oh, thank uh, you. I like you a lot. And today's episode has been absolutely... Positively terrible. I met you back at Tonica's best. I confess I was nervous and stressed because I thought you were the best. I was right. And that night we got into a water gun fight that I won. I shot you in the face. It was fate. I offered you a spring. You declined. I said, keep it to my decide to change your mind. You did. Positively Terrible is a part of the Terrible Podcast Network.